Hello and welcome to That Oxford Girl podcast. I'm Poddy Wilson and each week I'll be speaking to a current Oxford student about their experience at the world's most famous university. My guest this week is Amy Ellis Winter, who is very well known to myself and the other TOG ambassadors as she is the current editor-in-chief of That Oxford Girl. Amy's also been involved in a whole bunch of other societies, which I'm really looking forward to discussing with her, as well as hearing about her experience of applying to and arriving at Oxford from a low-income household. I really hope you enjoy listening to our discussion. Thanks so much for coming on to the podcast, Amy. I'm really excited to talk to you today. Thank you so much for inviting me on Puddy. I'm really excited to be here myself. Um, so if we can begin, I'd love to know a bit more about your background before you came to Oxford and the education you received. Definitely. So um, I was raised in a single parent family in North Wales and I went to a comprehensive state school. I was the only person in my state school to make it through to the interview stages of Oxford or Cambridge. So it had um, a pretty low performing uh, success rate anyway for Russell Group Unis and Oxford Unis. And that's essentially the background I came from. I come from a very poor area. And I am what's called a crank start scholar at Oxford, meaning my family's income falls below the lowest economic tax bracket that Oxford recognises. And um, I did all of my GCSEs and I did 13 GCSEs and four A-levels. In, um, 13 GCSEs? Yeah, 13 GCSEs. Oh my goodness. How did you find the time? <laughs> well, only three of them were optional. The rest were compulsory because you have to factor into account stuff like Welsh is compulsory in Wales, but 13 in total is quite a lot. So if we move on to Oxford, when did you first get the idea that you wanted to apply? So um, I had the opportunity to visit Oxford quite a lot throughout my childhood. And essentially, I just fell in love with the city, the architecture, the history and I love that kind of growing up in the countryside myself I was always I always knew I was much more a city person and London was a little bit too big noisy and scary for me but Oxford offered that perfect balance of lots of green spaces you can have a little bit of a quieter time here if you want but you also have a bit more of a vibrant city life too and it's so diverse and North Wales isn't at all. And it was really nice to meet people from all different um, places with all different backgrounds. And yes, and then, of course, on top of that, I really liked the tutorial system. That was something that isn't offered at many universities, that um, ability to have a one-on-one conversation with a tutor who is a specialist in your subject, I find incredibly nourishing and enriching for my knowledge and my degree and that's the one thing I really missed about growing up in a state school area um, especially it was that the teachers were very intelligent of course they were lovely but the teachers often in state schools I found tend to focus on the children who don't really want to be here who are low performing and if you tend to be high performing then you're essentially left to your own devices and you have to make your own path in bigger things out for yourself and that was quite hard because it means you have to have a huge amount of self-motivation and I was never able to have those really enriching academic discussions about books that I liked because I study English literature and about books that I liked and about my subject with anyone else because a lot of the people in my school were solely there because it was compulsory and I was just so drawn to a place like Oxford where 
academia is put at such a high level of value. No, I love to hear you talk about the tutorial system. I think that's that's one thing that is so unique and wonderful about being at Oxford. Um, another thing that's unique about the whole Oxford application system is the amount that you need to do in order to apply in the first place. So how did you go about applying? So, um, I mean, a lot of the application process is honestly just convincing yourself that you are good enough to apply. So when I managed to get over that hurdle, um, I just cracked down on my personal statement, definitely. I um, was very lucky to know one other person who had been accepted to do English literature at Cambridge who went to another state school in my local area several years before me. And um, I asked if I could have a read of her personal statement. And it was very different to how mine ended up being, but I got a good enough vibe of what they were looking for, really. And the one thing that I really um, realised doing my personal statement was, as sad as it is to say, Oxford and Cambridge don't care as much about the personal side of things as they do about what you know and what you love about your subject. And so anything that I mentioned in my personal statement um, related to my hobbies or interests, I solely mentioned them if I could relate them to my subject in some way. Everything else was just 100% anything that I'd learnt about my subject, anything I liked about my subject, what my interests were in terms of what I was reading, TED Talks, I'd listened to podcasts, poetry, anything that I'd done in that field that I could make relevant. Um, and... I, I've seen that a common mistake a lot of people tend to make is they do focus too much on the personal side of things. Fantastic. So not only do you have to send in your personal statements, you also have to send in some uh, written work. But on your personal statement, you have to make it quite clear that you've read a lot if you're applying for English literature, yes, as you did. Yes, no, definitely. So what are the kind of things you're reading? So I read so much. I honestly just thought, I, first, the first thing I wanted to have was a good enough range. That's not mm-hmm. only in terms of the period of, um, literature that you're drawing from but also the um, the structure the form the text whether it's a book a play or a poem I wanted to show that I had a good enough range across all of them um, and then what I actually decided to write about was purely just my own interest so I have always been a big fan of dystopian literature and uh, feminist literature as well so four of the books I put on my personal statement were Brave New World which is a personal favourite of mine, Um, 1984, uh, Pride and Prejudice and Cranford. And those really formed the foundation of my personal statement um, because I just had so much that I could say about those that I loved. And then I included little bits of poetry as well. Um, I mentioned Sylvia Plath's The Moon and the Yew Tree, which is one of her less common works, I personally feel. Um, but was one that I've always really enjoyed that stood out to me and um, it was also one that I hadn't studied at A-level. I was very um, careful to make a point of not selecting any text that I had studied at A-level to write about because Oxford and Cambridge are most of all looking for your own original ideas and your natural exploration of your subject. If you are basing your personal statement only off what you have um, studied, it doesn't really show that natural um, wide range in interest. I did mention a couple of texts I had studied, such as Dr Faustus, but I only mentioned them very, very briefly as to be able to um, allude to how I came to study a different text on my own that I enjoyed. So anything I did mention from school was simply a, this was point A and it 
made me gain an interest in going to point B. And um, again, I studied Hamlet at school, but I didn't um, mention this in detail. However, I did mention that I gained an interest in Shakespeare and eventually I came to read Antony and Cleopatra, which was a big favourite of mine and also a lesser studied text, I believe. Mm. And ordinarily, um, you'd have had to do the ELAS as well, so the English, is it English Literature Absolute Test? Yes. So, um, unfortunately, I didn't get to do this because there was, this was during COVID when I applied for Oxford and there had been a COVID outbreak in North Wales at the time, a very, very bad one that had separated people crossing the border from England, Wales even. And um, every, there were four of us at my state school who were applying to Oxford and Cambridge. And um, so the four of us to do our entrance exams for our respective subjects had to take a a COVID test so we could go and sit the exams. And um, three of us had our results delayed um, from the COVID test, uh, which was very, very unfortunate. And as a result, I contacted the admissions office at Christchurch and I was like what do I do I'm not sure what to do and unfortunately there was nothing I could do it meant that I would be solely selected for interview um based on my personal statement and written work submission for English and um I would essentially go to the bottom of the pile where they would select everyone who had successfully gotten a good grade on the ELAP before me and then only if there were um, any more spaces then they would consider me thankfully they did um, but it was a very very big risk and it was quite scary being out of my control but you know thankfully my personal statement was good enough so made it in the end yeah you certainly did <laughs> so you were invited to go to Christchurch for your interview um, mm-hmm. and this is the time of year when a lot of people will be receiving their invitations to interview so what kind of things can they expect if they're going for English language and literature so um, the f- you, I had two interviews for mine, um, and the first one was essentially all about my personal statement. Um, so make sure that you have essentially memorised this back to front. You know it like the back of your hand, and you are able to justify any points um, or expand on any points made in your personal statement. So make sure you have actually read the books that you put on there is probably the most important thing. And then in my second interview, I was given 15 minutes to analyse um, a piece of completely unseen text that with no contextual information. Um, and I had to then have a discussion with the tutor about what I had made of this piece of unseen text. And it was a really, really difficult one, I would say, because... Um, I managed to identify it as being written in Shakespearean verse, at least. It had the same kind of beat, the count, the syllables, but I couldn't attest to it being Shakespeare for sure. And then when they eventually told me what it was after our discussion, it was a piece of Shakespeare, but one of his unofficial, unpublished works, tucked away in a manuscript somewhere that had probably never seen the light of day, and it was there was no chance. Um, that I would ever have studied it before and so I think the one thing that I actually did to practice for this piece of um hold reading um was I would get my mum to pick a book off her um bookshelf that I had never seen before open it to a random page read me a paragraph a little extract and then her knowing this information would then judge me on what I had taken away from that 
and it was a really really good opportunity to practice reading pieces blind and sense unseen and um, I think that's what ultimately helped me prepare for this specific part of the interview because there is no chance you will ever have read or come across whichever piece of text they pick out they are incredibly niche I don't know where they get them from um, and so I think it's just familiarizing yourself with the process as much as possible will help. So you were made an offer by Christchurch. Um, why was it that you chose Christchurch in particular to apply to? So um, the one thing that everyone assumes is because it's a Harry Potter college, it's um, very beautiful, and it's probably maybe the most well-known um, college in Oxford. And I agree, it is absolutely gorgeous. However, um, coming from the background I come from, where there was quite a bit of financial um, instability, uh, Oxford had offered some of the largest bursaries I had seen at any university in the UK. And Christchurch being the second richest college in Oxford, um, have an amazing bursary scheme where if you are like myself, a crank start scholar, you receive 50% off accommodation and food, which honestly makes the biggest difference to my life financially. It means that I can put so much more of my student grant, my student loan, towards other things um and trips as well like um university trips that I, I I've never skied before you know coming here for the first time that was something that was very unique and quite strange to me but it's lovely to be able to kind of have those opportunities now and Christchurch really really helped bridge that financial barrier a little bit more for me how did you find it when you first arrived were there any sort of shocks that you weren't expecting how did you settle in yeah, so I surprisingly actually settled in really, really quickly. I felt very comfortable here. I think it helped that I already knew the city quite well. Um, but I felt very comfortable here and I was sort of so just so grateful and so excited to be surrounded by people who love their subject, really love their degree and really um, cherish knowledge and learning. And the fact that you can speak to anyone from any degree that you don't know anything about and they will be so happy to tell you something new. And I settled in really quickly because I love that kind of environment. However, I will say um, the one thing that I really noticed um, was I've made so many friends here who have been to private schools as well as state schools. And the one thing I have noticed very much in terms of culture shock was the confidence between us. I found that it wasn't so much the intelligence or the quality of teaching we, we received, but I found that a lot of my friends who have been to private schools um, are much more kind of confident in their abilities, which is a really, really good thing. Um, but state schoolers, are, we have to find that confidence ourselves. And if I'm being honest, it very rarely comes um, because I experienced so much imposter syndrome when I got here. Now it has come and now I'm very happy and confident in my ability and knowing that I deserve to be here. But I would definitely say that was the biggest change I noticed. The fact that all of a sudden there were so many people who were kind of really confident in their ability to write an essay. And I was all of a sudden not very confident in my ability to write an essay. And I do think that was the biggest change um, and the biggest learning curve me definitely because that's not something that you can be taught overnight it's something that's fed into you fed into your brain years after years after years and it is not something that they prioritize enough in state schools at all 
And speaking of essays as well, is there a favorite text that you've studied since you've been here? Ooh, or a favorite that, that's a really good module. question. <laughs> um, so in first year, I did Old English. And we did Beowulf and that kind of thing. And I did really enjoy that. It probably wasn't my favourite, but um, it was definitely a quite nice introduction to Oxford in a way because um, Old English is a Germanic language. And thankfully, I'd done um, bits of German at school, but it's pronounced like Welsh. So I had the advantage of being able to get some of those pronunciations down quite quickly. There you go. I think that was actually quite a nice period to study I probably wouldn't do it again it's quite difficult but it was, but it was definitely a nice one um, and compulsory at Oxford whereas at a lot of other universities it's optional and I quite like the fact that I was well like I had to do it in a way I definitely learned something um, so outside of your studies you have done it's fair to say quite a lot of different things <laughs> um, you've been involved in student journalism been involved in the union um and drama as well i think we'll st- we'll start with the student journalism um i know you've you've written for the blue amongst other things how did you get into it in the first place so um i've always just had quite an interest in lifestyle fashion that side of newspapers and magazines that kind of thing and i think there is so much important news and urgent news going on in the world that needs to be heard but it can also be incredibly kind of tiring and depressing after a while to just hear about that constantly. And lifestyle mm-hmm. offers you the opportunity to have a really nice little escape just for a moment where it's just something lighthearted, you know, something cheery, something that doesn't need to be taken too seriously in itself. Yeah. And that's something that I really, really liked about um, The Blue and their lifestyle section. And so when I was a fresher, I signed up um, to be one of the junior editors there did that for two terms um, because the second term I could have advanced but it clashed with my first year exams and I didn't want that much pressure just yet and then um, in second year I was then promoted to senior lifestyle and fashion editor which was really amazing and I got the opportunity to meet so many cool people like the creative director of Dior she came over took her for a tour around Christchurch. We spoke, yeah, we spoke <laughs> we spoke a little bit about my um experience in uh fashion journalism so far. I guess when I said to people, oh yeah, I report like I edit fashion articles, you know, it sounds a little bit kind of like I don't know, a, a little bit um unserious. And it can be in a way, and that's good. That was my intention going in. But then I thought, oh, well what if I um actually can make something a bit more serious out of this? Uh, editing an article that a really good friend of mine had written on greenwashing in the fashion industry and we did a really kind of Louis Theroux type deep dive into it and I really enjoyed it I thought this is incredibly rewarding and it can be taken seriously and yeah I I had a very kind of um, whirlwind experience in student journalism um, but it was it was incredibly rewarding and it was nice to see my own sort of my own mindset change on where I could take these things yeah and then now I've gone on to be creative director of um the Oxford student which first term here but I'm enjoying it a lot so far 
Wonderful. So aside from student journalism, you've also been involved in the Oxford Union, Mm -hmm. which to be clear is not the same as the Student Union. The Oxford Union is a debating society that also brings in a lot of very well-known guest speakers. Mm -hmm. Um, It requires you to run for positions in elections, which I know you did a couple of times Mm -hmm. and you've certainly met some some famous faces along the way. So can you give me an overview of your your time in the union? Yeah, so I probably chose the worst time to run for um, the Oxford Union, (laughs) if I'm being honest, because I did it literally during my first year exams which I do not recommend to anyone it is a very very stressful experience um but I managed to get elected and um first term at the union was just such a kind of um it was a whole new world in a way the Oxford Union to me was very much a sort of a a second college an amalgamation of all of the different colleges brought into one place um, and it was very, very time consuming. That's the one thing I will say. But I felt very much like what you put into it was what you got out of it as well. And it was a very rewarding experience for me. And I, again, like you said, I got to meet some pretty cool people. And um, in my second term, I ran for a position higher up. So I was first on secretary's committee, which there are 12 people elected on. And then I ran for standing committee which there are six people elected on. And this is a governing body, approving financial budgets, etc., that kind of thing. And um, it was here that I um, had the honour of being tasked with um, producing the first honorary membership certificate for the Oxford Union um, ever in history. And I, because I had a couple of, graphic design skills under my belt and so decided to give it a go and I was able to present this certificate to Bernie Sanders and Sir John Major which was a very very um, unique refreshing very intimidating (laughs) experience Um, but it was it was Bernie not so much he gave very like granddad energy like a kind of very oh this is very nice yes I'll hand it up in my office type thing. <laughs> um, but no it was it was absolutely wonderful and it opened so many doors for me because from then on I went to the following term decided not to run in any more student elections I thought I've I've done my time there and I I decided to apply for the position of director of communications and um luckily I got it and this was for the bicentenary, so the 200th year anniversary. And I was in charge of the social media, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and I must, and all of the artwork as well, including some of the designs in the term card, um, which was a lot of pressure, marketing, advertising the ball, advertising events. It really inspired my love for marketing and graphic design to a huge extent. It was honestly like, my favourite role of being on the union. It really helped me think a little bit more about what I wanted to do career-wise after that. So having spoken a bit about your uh, involvement in the creative arts, we can move on now to performing arts. Because I know, like me, you've, you've been involved in several productions and also mm-hmm. a couple of films. So can you tell me a bit about those? Yes, definitely. So in my background, just um, at high school, I was always very involved in musical theatre, performance, etc. Being an English literature student as well, I think that helps. And um, when I was 15, 15, 16, 15, I think, um, I received an offer from Rombert School of Ballet and Contemporary to go and study with them for a summer in London. 
um and this really just kind of enriched my passion for creative arts and performance and I'd already been studying as a ballerina for um 12 13 years by that point so long time in the making and I wanted to continue this at university in some capacity and just get more involved in the art scene here so um in my second year at the start of my first term so same time as being on the blue and the union and all of that I decided to um, give a go at directing a film for Oxford University Film Foundation Um, and it was a film called Catch Me which was a very very wholesome kind of heartstopper inspired LGBTQ short film um, written by a um, postgrad student uh, Peter Todd. It was a really really nice um, environment and experience and I got to make so many lovely friends both of the cast and the crew and then to be able to have it shown on the big screen and um to have the uh the showcase sell out as well it was it was a wonderful experience and then I was also as you said involved in a couple of drama productions um I helped out with uh, uh arts week for one of the colleges and we decided to do little extracts from a production of Dracula that had recently been in the theatre, which um, was my kind of first taste of Oxford drama. And then um, from there, I went on to be in a proper um, bigger scale drama production, which was of Carol Churchill's Top Girls, which is quite fun. Sadly, I haven't been able to do anything since, purely because of time, with exams, the degree. It's very, very hard to balance. But yes, I really managed to be able to get so many different opportunities and a taste of pretty much everything since mm-hmm. I've been here, which I think yeah. is a very good um, overview of my time at Oxford so far. Just going back to your background in ballet as well, mm. I find it so interesting because it came up specifically in your interviews yeah. as well. So what what was that connection there? That was really nice, actually. So like I said, um, I only picked activities or interests about myself in my personal statement if I felt like I could make them relate to my um, degree in some way and my interviewers the tutors really helped with this gap for me as well because one of the questions was something along the lines of so we saw in your um, personal statement that you've been a dancer for about uh, 16 years now Um, what would you say you found to be um, the most important thing in connection between dancers ability to tell a story without words and Mm literature's ability to tell a story without a visual action and it was it was something along those lines and it was just a really really nice question and it really helped kind of tie my overall interests together so that was a lovely question to come up um and finally and and most importantly you are also the editor-in-chief of that oxford girl i am Uh, (laughs) so you and i have both been ambassadors for a little while can Mm. you talk me through your experience as an ambassador the kind of things that you've been getting up to and then how you got that position definitely so um i firstly i actually just applied to be an ambassador of that Oxford girl purely on a whim. I hadn't even begun uni yet. I just got my acceptance email from Oxford and I saw um, an advert pop up on my Instagram calling out for new first years to apply. Decided to do it from there and then was obviously very luckily accepted. And I had the most amazing first year with that Oxford girl. It was like we spoke about earlier, it was such a great environment 
where you not only got to meet people in your year and not only people in the year above you, but also DPhil students, master's students, um, people that you wouldn't normally meet in any other social setting. And it was amazing. And it was kind of a lovely sisterhood in a way. You got to speak to different people about their experiences, um, ask for advice, make new friends. And there were lots of social um, events and where we could all get together and we could also share our experiences to other um, incoming applicants. And then um, in second year, Tilly reached out and because I had a bit of editing journalism experience by this point, um, very kindly asked if um, I would be happy to take a temporary position of, as editor-in-chief, um, just so she could recover and focus on herself for a bit in the meantime. It was meant to be a temporary temporary position a year later and I'm still here but I've honestly loved it so much it's given me so many fantastic opportunities and not only in terms of the networking and the social events that come my way but also the ability to I've really been able to connect with our ambassadors on a deeper level and read their stories edit their stories and publish them on a global platform for other people to read and that is such a huge honour to be able to do that and to be able to get people's personal stories that advice out there um, and hopefully I think it's had a really good impact. And, and just on the notes of giving back and and uh, inspiring other people to apply I know as well that you've been involved in a programme which um, helps students who might think of applying to Oxford. Can can you tell me a bit more about that? Yes, definitely. So I've been a mentor with um, a platform called Zero Gravity for two years now. They are a social mobility um, startup who work on taking some of the most intelligent children in the country from the lowest income backgrounds, often first generation as well. Um, and so therefore would have no one else that they knew um, or could go to for advice on how to apply to Oxford, Cambridge or any other fantastic university, especially Russell groups. And we coach them, we mentor them, um, we help them write their personal statements, we give them guidance on what to do, we can give them mock interviews. And some of my um, sessions with my students, I've actually just spent encouraging them to apply in the first place because that's the one thing that some of these students lack it's not the ability it's not the intelligence it's purely confidence and so far I've worked with seven students I believe and five of them have received and confirmed offers from Oxford and Cambridge and I think that is the most just incredible um rewarding experience it's it's very nice to kind of look back and see on how one little decision that you can make by applying to Oxford for example or deciding to join one society even just for fun, can lead to so many opportunities and doors opening for you. Those statistics are such a testament to you. So congratulations for that. That, That's so brilliant. I love speaking to you. Thank you so much for talking to me today. Thank you so much for inviting me and it's been lovely to chat with you too. My thanks again to Amy for speaking to me. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you follow the podcast on your preferred platform and tap the bell to be notified when the next episode is live. I hope you'll join me again next time.